Welcome back to Booze and Buffy, a podcast where we are watching and discussing every episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer and Angel one by one. We will be spoiler free of details from future episodes, but we have talked about some episodes already, so we'll have full spoilers on for anything that might crop up from the show's history. I'm Jason, and I love Rick's magic and stuff. It's where I get all my magic and most of my stuff. And I'm Harrison. I don't have a sister, but if I did, I would light her on fire if she got more marshmallows than me. Jason, what episode are we watching today? We are watching Angels Season 1, Episode 14, I've Got You Under My Skin. This is the one where you think one thing's gonna happen and then it doesn't. Let's just say it's The Exorcist meets Firestarter. Hmm. Yeah. I like that. I love Firestarter. Um, I also really like The Exorcist, so too, too, too good. Anyway, I've Got You Under My Skin was written by Janine Rinshaw and directed by R.D. Price. It originally aired on February 15th, 2000. What a great post-Valentine's Day episode. Yeah. <laughs> Jason, what are you drinking today? Well, viewers as I, or listeners, as I told uh, <laughs> as I told Harrison before we started, I've actually um, been trying to do some intermittent fasting, which means that all I can really have is uh, water and black coffee during a certain time of the day, which we happen to be in. Uh, but, you know, I decided to cheat just a little bit, and I made some black coffee, but I threw a splash of Jameson in it, so it's an Irish coffee. Sexy, sexy. Um, I'm drinking a uh, a Rheingeist, uh, which is a beer um, for the listeners who might not know. And it's a new one that John found yesterday when we were picking up some wine for my mama because uh, it was Mother's Day yesterday. And it's a Rheingeist Zango, which is an ale with apple, mango, apple, mango, and tangerine. Um, it's quite good. You are very much into the fruity beers, and that's not a gay so- <laughs> joke. It's it it is just an observation. Yeah, I mean, it depends. I I do like like fruitier beers, but um, I tend to prefer them if they're sour um, as opposed to like really really sweet. Um, although I do I don't mind a sweet beer, but sometimes like the sweeter ones make my tummy hurt a little because i'm almost 30 and not 19 anymore (laughs) much to my dismay my constant dismay (laughs) and my constant disappointment yeah (laughs) i oh gosh i wish i could just i wish i could go back to a little 19 year old me and be like this is your time like your body can handle so much like your knees don't hurt and your back doesn't hurt and your soul doesn't hurt. Like, enjoy it. Um, anyway, that got real existential. Uh, Jeez, I thought that uh, I thought that the depressing stuff was going to be when we got to the actual episode, but damn, kid. Yeah. <laughs> um, so it's been a long year. Um, would you like to leave us in a toast, Jason, that's hopefully more uplifting? <laughs> sure, as I raise my mug of Jameson. Um... 
Here is to all the people who have been vaccinated for a couple weeks now, or maybe longer, who are finally getting to uh, catch up on all those hugs that they've missed. Cheers. I was fortunate enough to have some people over this past weekend, and uh, one of my friends, uh, he is a... um, He's never really a big hugger, but he kind of, like, initiated this ring of hugging that happened when everybody was leaving. And uh, and I'm like, wow, you know that, like, something earth-shattering happened if this man wants to hug everyone. <laughs> so, yeah. You never know what you, what you have until it's gone. But it's coming back. Yay. <clears throat> Yay! (laughs) (laughs) This is what happens when you make me get up before noon. Um, I am really looking forward to finally getting to go see movies again. I miss... I miss movie theater popcorn. You know, it's it's not the same when I make it in my microwave and or my air popper. Um, I... Yeah, I'm... I think I'm gonna do a marathon of all the all the Saw movies so that I can go see Spiral, um, from the Book of Saw. <laughs> <laughs> Which I don't know if if a year ago you would have told me like Harrison, you're gonna be so stoked to go see the ninth Saw movie. I would have been like, probably not. I'm not gonna here lie. I am. I'm not gonna lie. I don't hate the Saw franchise as much as other people do. Um, and also, if you attach Chris Rock to something, mm-hmm. that is a really good way to get me to go see it. Because I love Chris Rock. I love his voice I, acting. I love his good. regular acting. I love his stand-up. His stand-up is so funny. <laughs> I also like the Saw movies pretty well. But it definitely was... I mean, I don't think it's controversial to say that it did, by the end there, get to some diminishing returns. Well, yeah. Um, that last, uh, not, well, the last, Saw 7 was so fucking bad. Um, but yeah, I, I, this one looks interesting and it looks kind of different. Um, and yeah, I like Chris Rock. I like Samuel Jackson. So I'm all in, man. Um, You're just happy to in. go see a movie in theaters. <laughs> yeah, I, and listen, I, you know, I'm happy to go see a movie in theaters, but I also, I am like, I do have some legitimate excitement to see this specific movie um, even though I do think some of the franchises like worn off a bit, but who knows? It might be fucking. It might fucking rock. You all know uh, that it might uh, fucking Chris Rock. <laughs> there you go. You all know that Harrison is a uh, is a big horror movie fan, which kind of uh, makes sense that he likes this episode so much. I fucking love this. Episode. We are we are channeling some classic horror right now. I mean, mm-hmm. in Exorcism, like that probably. Uh, that that really uh, gets Harrison's blood flowing. Ooh, yeah, gets that I, demon oh, out God. of there. <laughs> Get ooh, big old boner for this episode. <laughs> L- listen, what I love about this episode is yes, the twist at the end is really good. It's very unsettling. It really pulls the rug out from under you. But the episode doesn't rely on that twist. That twist is a cherry. Everything else in this episode's really good too. Like. It's, At least I think so. No, it is it is very strong. Um, so we start off with... Uh, I, I actually just want to mention there are two things that are emphasized in this... Uh, 
in this uh in like the previously on angel segments and it's the, i don't uh, get these so i love when you i love when you uh get to school me on what's on the previous on. <laughs> one is uh wow i almost did what angel did one is wesley um <laughs> damn you have the introduction of him again but you also have him voiceover of him being fired from the watchers council and uh oh. him admitting that and then you have, which is important to this episode. Then you also have Kate and uh, how she basically it shows her last interaction with Angel and uh, the whole him being a vampire and her finding out. So, mm-hmm. which isn't as important uh, in this episode. Probably important for future stuff, but she just kind of mm-hmm. just kind of at the very end. Yeah. Yeah, her role's real... I, I remembered her having a larger role in this episode, so I was kind of surprised revisiting it that she shows up for, like, like three lines of dialogue near the end. Um, yep. But so. uh, we're going to start off with Wesley. And Wesley has found a special knife that is uh, very ancient. It is the only way to kill a, um, a crush demon or something like that. Um, um, crush demon, maybe. Let's see. Come on, Wiki, don't fail me now. <laughs> well, the Wiki has failed me now, so. <laughs> but yes, it's a certain kind of demon, and Wesley's very excited about it. Except that Angel does point out that those demons are extinct. Um, so nice try, Wesley. Uh, he tried so hard. However, what it does come in hand, what that knife does come in handy for, is Cordelia's brownies. Which uh, seem to be very suspect, smell-wise, at least. <laughs> it made me think of if you in um, uh, Zelda Breath of the Wild, if you mix food and monster parts in cooking, you get uh, you get what's called dubious food, and Link <laughs> like starts to like like dry heave after he makes it. That's kind of like the vibe I was getting from <laughs> these um, alleged brownies that Cordy yeah. made. It's like I don't, I don't know about those. <laughs> um, but of course, uh, when um, Wesley points out how bad they smell, Cordelia counters with the fact that he wears a lot of cologne, and they start bickering. Uh, it's post baking bickering, and. <laughs> Sorry, that was dumb. <laughs> that was very dumb. <laughs> I liked it. But uh, Angel's smiling at it, and then he says, All right, Cordy, Doyle, guys, stop. And uh, that's kind of when everybody's just like, Whoa. Yeah. And uh, it's, um, it's, oof, it's good. Yeah, it's, it's super awkward. And yeah, I, we've said it before, I'll say it again. I love that Doyle's presence is still mm-hmm. is still there despite him having been gone for a few episodes now. Yeah. Um, well, it feels so realistic that in this kind of heated moment that this could accidentally be said. And like I don't I don't blame Angel for making this mistake, but I also feel so bad for Wesley who's trying to trying to find his way and his place on this team and not just be Doyle's replacement. Um, and I think that so, is, yeah. And I think that is something that isn't actually talked about in this episode 
though it, it seems very apparent. Yeah, it's it feels very much. I, and I think this is deliberate. It feels like the unspoken thing. Yeah. It's the thing that's on everyone's mind, but no one, no one's really comfortable talking about it. Which, it's really funny because uh, when when Angel's talking about this with Cordelia later, um, he says like, oh, I'm worried about Wesley. And she's like, who cares how Wesley feels? <laughs> <laughs> Very on brand for our Cordy. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, however, we have um, some kids fighting over some toys. Looks like crowns, maybe, or something like that. I think so. Um, but, yeah, like, uh, it's a boy and a girl, Ryan and... Oh, no, they, they have little... It's like little cards. That's what it was, um, yeah. Uh, Ryan and Stephanie. And Ryan is mad because he used to have five of one card... But he only has four. And mom, uh, Paige, swoops in and says, well, there are some children in India that only have three. So, great mom line. By the way, happy belated Mother's Day to all of you happy mothers Mother's out there. Uh, you motherfuckers. <laughs> you know, it's really funny. Um, my original like kind of joke for opening the episode was... Anytime you say something inappropriate during this episode, you're going to have to take a lap around your house. Um, <laughs> I'm glad I didn't follow through with that because I feel like you like would already just be out of breath from <laughs> what you said. You're not wrong. <laughs> uh, but yeah, the, um, the mom, Paige comes in to tell her kids that it is bedtime. And then the dad, Seth, is like, children, you heard your mother. It's bedtime. So they're all kind of like a little freaked out, and the kids act, the kids go to their rooms, and after the mom says good night, they then padlock the door shut. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah, it's not, it's not, that's not good. Yeah, I, it's, it's so creepy. It's very upsetting, obviously, um, and. I do love the later reveal, like, because we really, we do get two twists in this episode. Yeah. Um, that, um, that all of this is not as malevolent as it seems. Yeah. And I think, um, I think one of the reasons why this, this episode in particular is so effective at evoking some fright is that it brings it really close to the home. Um, mm-hmm. this is, this is a typical family and yeah. The fact that um, something so menacing, even from like the beginning of Seth's behavior, it just it gives you goosebumps. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I mean, even without the yeah the demonic stuff, we were getting these hints here at the beginning of you know child abuse, um, which of course we know that's not what's going on, but I mean it's still that is what the episode is priming us to to think is going on. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, it's like, um, I'm, I, I think of like that one really crazy X-Files episode, how it's not a typical story. It's, I think it's the one with the cannibals. Oh, home. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. it's not like, it's not aliens, but it's, um, and I guess like the fact that it isn't like, this isn't your, this isn't your typical brand of demon story, just like that mm-hmm. episode isn't your typical brand of X-Files story, that um, that's the unfamiliar is what 
creeps you out. Yeah. Uh, and the very similar um, Torchwood episode, Countryside, um, which primes you to think that whatever's going on is is like aliens. And then like the twist of that episode is, nope, it's just people doing yeah. horrible human murder shit. So basically what we're saying is, thank you, Twilight Zone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, you're not wrong. <laughs> Uh, Cordelia comes into Angel's office because she's got to break this awkward tension. And mm-hmm. Angel, she points out how Angel keeps all the stuff bottled up usually. And she's like, hey, let me in. Don't be Mr. Stoney or um, Mr. Stoic. Joe Stoic. That's what it was. Don't be, don't be Joe Stoic. And uh, Angel starts saying that he misses Doyle and that he feels responsible for his death. Uh, which is not true, but also very on brand for Angel. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, Angel feeling guilt about something? Get out of here. <laughs> I, <laughs> I'm just thinking uh, about a, a bit in a later episode in which um, Cordy and Wesley do their best impression of Angel. Oh. <laughs> Like, and this is a couple seasons down the line, but he loves to brood. <laughs> yes, that that's our broody boy. Um, uh, unfortunately, while Angel is t- talking about all of this, Cordelia says that it hurts. And he's like, yeah, it does hurt. And she's like, no, it hurts. Um, and obviously this means that she's having a vision, a very violent vision, by the way. Um, God damn it, powers that be. Yeah, this Angel one... was having a moment of healthy emotional like experiences. Yeah, this one, this one looks, this one looks really rough. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, I don't know how many time, how many more times we're going to get these uh, these silly lead-ins to to Cordy's visions, <laughs> but I'm not tired of them just yet. Nope. I don't know that I ever grow tired of them because um, they come up with some pretty pretty creative uh, silly lead lead-ins that I I always enjoy, um, and usually because that's typically our last moment of uh, lightness before things go dark. Yeah. So. <laughs> and speaking of going dark, uh, they follow the address that Cordy gives them. Uh, Angel and Wesley drive up in front of the house. That is the home to the Anderson family. Yes, the Andersons. Um, very, uh, very non-threatening last name. Uh, they are talking about how they're going to go about investigating when Wes sees a young boy who's walking just through the yard in his PJs. And, uh, of course, when a child walks out into the street... There's got to be a car coming the other way. That's way too fast. That's television, movie, book. That's law. That is <laughs> fictional law. Like, if a child is in the street playing, there must be a car coming to threaten it. Listen, Pet Cemetery would be a very short book otherwise. Uh, yeah. Um... <laughs> But fortunately, in a different direction than Pet Cemetery, Angel actually is able to save this young boy. 
uh, whose name is Ryan, as we mentioned before. And uh, Angel got nicked a little bit uh, on his shoulder. And uh, he's like, oh, are you, are you going to cry? And Angel's like, uh, uh, and so Angel tries to lighten the mood and get him to laugh. Um, good for you, Angel. This, um, that line, are you going to cry, just hits so different it once really you know what's does. actually going on. No, as soon as I was thinking about it, like, just now when I said it, I'm like, ooh. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, this is a little rough later on. It's so creepy. If you, yeah. If you know. And this, in the moment, it's just like, it just seems like one of those weird things children say where they're a little too forward sometimes because they haven't learned, like, social cues they're Anya basically um but yeah this gross um Seth and Paige run out and uh and they um they see Ryan they they uh for I'm glad that they assume that Angel saved him as opposed to you know Angel just being creepy uh that was that was something that we really didn't need and uh I'm glad we didn't have it um page page is so happy and so thankful um so she says like hey do you want to come inside i'll i'll help the i'll like tend the wound on your arm and uh yeah how do you feel about this uh wound tending scene i mean it's it's not our typically sexy wound tending but i'm still into it (laughs) Um, always try something new once i you know it's Angel keeps his shirt on, which I'm, you know, I'm never okay with that. Um, and I think you, I think you'd be pretty okay with it if you think about what it would be like if he didn't have his shirt on in this scene. Maybe. Yeah. And Paige is a little more matronly. Not like she's not like, I'm not saying like she's old and crone and hag by any means. She's quite lovely because she's on television. Um, specifically the WB. You have to be attractive. Um, now but, I don't think that rule was always in place until it became the CW. That's true. You you mostly had to be attractive on the WB. Yeah. Um, and uh, <laughs> but you know I'm I'm still into it. I'm still into it. Like you could range from like a seven to a ten, but when CW came along, nine or ten or go home. Sorry. Yeah. Or you're gonna yeah. be in one it- episode and get killed off. <laughs> <laughs> pretty much (laughs) yeah um so angel is trying to learn some information because he needs to find out what the heck is going on that caused cordelia's vision and uh seth is not welcoming um yeah not welcoming is a bit of an understatement (laughs) as opposed to Paige, who is extremely thankful and oh my god does she flip out when she finds out that Angel's name is, in fact, Angel, she pulls out her Angel collectibles. She's like, I collect them! Angel! I can't make too much fun because my mom has a very large Angel collection as well. She does indeed. Um, I've seen it. Yeah. They're lovely. And there actually have been more added uh, because my mom recently retired. Um, she actually retired last week. And so she brought a lot of stuff home that she had at her office. She also had a lot of angels at her office, too. Um, and I love that for her. Yeah, no. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, she's, um, I'm really interested in seeing, like, all the cool stuff that she's going to get into now that she's retired. Um, 
But uh, this is not a podcast I'm about fifty dollars that she gets into drag racing. That's my get. That's my bet. Really? Yeah. Oh, I can see her. I think she. I think she excel. Her rate. <laughs> anyway, let's move on. I hate how funny that was. <laughs> well, I really do. I'm like, oh, why do I find that so humorous? It, well, I was in it. I said Excel, and then I was like, wait, there's something there. Go for it. Yeah, this it was your genuine. Chance. It was genuine, and I loved it. Um, but I also hated it. Uh, That's my goal. Um, Paige is actually uh, a little thrown by the fact that uh, Angel's wound is healing very As rapidly. well she should be. Yeah. Because it was a full-on, like gash that she was like maybe we should take you to the emergency room and then she comes back it's like completely healed closed up but meanwhile seth is trying to pull a power move by just lighting up a cigarette and blowing some smoke right at angels like oh does this make you angry you know there are a lot of health nuts out there (laughs) like my gay agenda is the sexual tension between (laughs) angel and seth in this scene I think, um, you know what? I'm just going to let you have that one. Thank you. Um, Listen, this was not a great episode for the gay agenda, quite frankly. Yeah. <laughs> not a lot of um, options. And uh, Katie Boyer, who plays Paige, I have to say that she's very good in this scene mm-hmm. because, you know, there's just so many things that she could be conveying at this moment. There's obviously a little bit of panic a little bit of um, relief from having her, from her child being saved from getting hit by a car. There's a, um, but there's also this uh, almost manic mm-hmm. nature, especially when she shows the angels. Um, yeah, it's it's kind of it's kind of crazy. Like just you don't really know what's going on, and I yeah. think that, and again, that adds to the that adds to the horror, that adds the eeriness. Because again, you fear what you don't understand, mm-hmm. and that's that's the tale as old as time. Um, I think generally, I think you're exactly right. She's so good, but I think just across the board, the whole family, um, including the kids, are all really good. Um, especially the the adults who. The, the parents who are forced to play several different layers of these characters. Um, yeah, uh, I, I think... Um, I think they all do a great job. Yeah, I, I think uh, probably like the... And it's not even a weak performance. It's um, just uh, the daughter, um, Stephanie. She just doesn't have as much to do. So No, she yeah, she's, she's out of this episode for a good chunk of it. Yeah, but no, yeah. All around, good job from the Anderson. It's really great when you have a very strong supporting cast. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, Seth is more or less trying to push Angel out the door. But uh, right before he is gets close to actually literally doing it, um, Paige decides to invite uh, Angel for dinner, and Angel accepts. So we go back to Angel Investigations, and Angel's kind of relaying all of his. Uh, Actually, wait a minute. Excuse me. I skipped a part. Um, when Angel goes back into the car, Wesley, meanwhile, has been 
uh, snooping around the house, and he, in fact, finds out that there is a goo that is called platycine, and this is a this is excrement from a demon. In this case, specifically, an Ethros demon. Um, they relay this back at the. Uh, they relay this back at Angel Investigations, and he and Wesley says somebody in that family is possessed by a demon. Um, Angel thinks that it is the father because he is very. Um, I mean. He was so cagey about everything, and everybody mm-hmm. seemed nervous around Seth. Um, and then Wesley has a line um, to paraphrase, or actually, Oof. no, it's like right here in the in the Buffy wiki. Good job. A father doesn't have to be possessed to terrorize his children. And uh, yeah, so Oof. I believe yeah. Wesley has a couple of skeletons in his closet. Um. And this is this is important for later on, uh, but it's a nice little drop there, and uh, I like that Wes catches himself mm-hmm. uh, before he can get full on into it. He's like, no, we have to concentrate on the matter at hand, and uh, and he says that the only way to stop this demon is to is an exorcism. So we're getting an exorcism, y'all. Cordelia's and- not on board. No, she's not a fan. Um, <laughs> I know it's not this episode. Um, it's an, it's a line from a Buffy episode where they have to do a, an exorcism. I think it it might be uh, I Only Have Eyes for You. But she has that line where she's like, I saw that movie. Even the priest died. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds about right. Yep. Um, uh, poor... Uh... I was. I almost said, uh, "Poor Patrick Troughton," and then I realized, "Nope, that is the nope, omen." That's the omen. You damn uh, fool! Don't. I mean, don't be a priest in a horror movie. It doesn't typically go well. It doesn't. You'll you'll either get like vomit all over you, or you know, get skewered by a giant pole. Mm-hmm. Not great. Not great. Um. But uh, they need to find out exactly who is possessed by the demon. And uh, Wesley says that there is a thing called Silas Eucalyptus powder, uh, if I pronounced that correctly. And right. if it's ingested, then it'll force the demon to manifest itself. And uh, so Angel decide. Then there's this great cut of Angel in front of the Andersons' house. They open the door, and he says. I brought brownies. <laughs> <laughs> Check offs brownies. Fantastic. Um, <laughs> so, yes, it is a very uncomfortable meal. And uh, while the parents are out, uh, Angel is actually able to bond a little bit, have a little bit of fun with uh, with the kids, talking about how much they didn't like Brussels sprouts. I love when Seth comes back and they're like laughing and I think it's Ryan uh, who says Angel's funny and Seth says basically what the entire audience is thinking which is like she rides it well. And I have to say this is probably like the lightest Angel has been in a while. So like the lightest mannered. So uh, what does that tell you about his default Seth? Right. (laughs) Uh, but yeah, so the brownies come out, 
And there's very tense moment where everybody's eating the brownies except Seth. Seth takes a very long time, pick up a brownie and eat it. And he takes a bite and he starts coughing. And then <laughs> Paige starts screaming, but it's not because her husband is coughing. It is because there is a scary fucking face on her son. Mm-hmm. Oh my God. It's very upsetting. Yeah. Some dodgy CGI, but I'll allow it. You know, um, I honestly think that the CGI being the way that it is kind of works. Like, it is very it, it looks uncanny. so unnatural. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's, whoa. And it's out of nowhere, too. It's not like, it's not a gradual thing that you see. You just cut to uh, Ryan, who has mm-hmm. just got this nasty demon face on. You're like, ah! <laughs> at least i was because you know it's i'm a child <laughs> like ah! oh, uh, and angel springs into action your son's possessed by a demon and Paige flips out uh because she's like oh you did this you did this to my son meanwhile seth instant 180 mm-hmm. he one, we realize that he's been cagey because he has had to basically prevent people from getting near Ryan. And because, as we learn later, this stuff has happened. Uh, that There's been strange things that happen every place this family has gone to. And now they recently moved into Los Angeles. And it is... Uh, and they're worried that something else might happen. So that's why Seth is the way that he is. He keeps people in arm's length to keep them away from Ryan. Mm-hmm. And uh, It's very interesting how the parents kind of, at this point, um, kind of switch roles. With Paige being really distrustful of Angel. Um, and Seth, like, immediately accepting Angel's help. Um yeah, like, and, I, I found that yeah, an interesting like flip flop. It is, and it's kind of crazy because like Seth had no idea what was going on. He just knew that something was had been wrong with Ryan for three years, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, and even Stephanie says, "Oh, Ryan's always been bad." Mm-hmm. I'm like, yeah, oh, that's creepy. Yeah, it is. Um, um, you can you can almost feel, um, and the actor Will Kempe does a great job of this of like. Yeah, once he learns it's a demon, we have to do an exorcism. It's like, it's that, you can see, like, the relief of the, oh my god, there's finally an answer and a solution in front of us. Which Um, Seth is completely down for. Yeah, and he, his, his behavior and his manner completely switches in a way that feels really natural. Um, it could be really easy for that to come off as really weird and it's just like, why are you suddenly a completely different person? But the episode has done a really good job and this performance has done a really good job of informing all of that context. Yes, it, it very much comes across like he's been holding his breath all this time, as mm-hmm. has the audience. And yeah. uh, and he is finally exhaling with a little bit of relief. Um, so... Angel's able to uh, get a hold of Wes, and he says that he's trying to track down a priest who doesn't ex- who's doing exorcisms. Uh, Angel asks um, 
them to call somebody to watch Stephanie while the parents take Ryan to Angel Investigation Headquarters. Um, so when they get to the apartment, uh, they put Ryan on Angel's bed and, uh, they put a powder, or Cordelia puts a powder around the, uh, around the bed and this will basically keep the demon at least at bay. And, uh, again, Cordelia references the exorcist. Yep. <laughs> She's like, are, should I put some plastic down? Are we, um... Expecting some projectile vomiting. And Angel has to be like, Cordelia. <laughs> yeah, the parents are right there. Um, so he leaves Cordelia in charge and warns the parents that the demon will try to call out to them and that they cannot break the circle. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, Angel and Wesley go to this church and they encounter a nun and Angel is obviously very nervous because, oh, hey, he's in a church. <laughs> and I love this nun. I Me too. really do. I wish we could have I had wanted more, more of her. this nun. <laughs> yes. I I really wish I could tell you that she's in future episodes, but I cannot because she is not. not. Um, no. But yeah, I love that. I love that. Um, obviously, she's very close with um, Father Fredericks, I believe was his name. Mm-hmm. And she. Uh, so if he specialized in exorcisms, then obviously she had to know a little bit about demons. And I love that she immediately knows Angel, like what he is right on contact. And Angel's like, oh, no, I don't like you're not wrong. She's like, oh, really? Here's a cross. It's like, ow, <laughs> bitch. <laughs> I love her. I'm going to call her Sister Badass. No, yeah. And Sister Badass, she is... I love her delivery of all of her lines. Like, mm-hmm. I again, I wish she'd been a recurring character because she is so cool and really just doesn't have time for this shit. <laughs> and uh, Wes is basically just trying to say, like, oh, where's Father Fredericks? We need him. It's urgent. It's an Ethros demon. And she says, oh, he's in the back. It's like, oh, that's great. She's like, Last grave on the left. So, nice little uh, shout out there. Yeah. Uh, but she um, she does explain that uh, the last thing that Father Fredericks had encountered was an Ethros demon. So they're really worried now. Yep. So apparently, according to the like production notes, they actually originally were supposed like father fredericks was supposed to appear and help them with the exorcism and i'm glad that they ended up not doing that i think father fredericks appearing like actually i think it would have just been one too many characters i think maybe we'd gotten a little crowded and i think i love wesley and angel doing the uh the exorcism i think it's really good for both of their characters yeah in particular wesley yes this is really important because the obviously the last episode of angel um the one good thing to come out of it was this is when wesley <laughs> officially joins angel investigations but as we've mentioned he's trying to find his place he's trying to prove that he's worthy and it's this feeling of unworthiness that the Etheros demon is able to uh, is able to really hone in on when he's trying to manipulate Wesley. 
And yeah, this is an uncertainty that um, unfortunately is only touched on in this episode. But Mm -hmm. I do believe that it, um, it's been a while since I've seen season one, but I do believe it is an ongoing story with Wesley. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. Yeah. So uh, Wesley, Wesley decides that he's going to be the one to do the exorcism as he gets some holy water. And Angel tells him, hey, Angel, or Wes, you need extreme amounts of willpower. Um, You need uh, resistance to persuasion. And Wes doesn't even have resistance to sales because he owns two thighs. He owns two thigh masters. (laughs) Wesley does clarify, though, that one was a free gift with his purchase of buns of steel. So, for all y'all who have been eyeing Wesley's butt, which is you got everybody, to which is everybody, just know that he works hard on that. Allison Hannigan. <laughs> He's been working on it. It's hard work, but you eventually get those killer glutes. Love it. Yeah, you gotta, yeah, if you want a wagon that everybody's gonna be staring at, you gotta make sure that that thing is worked on. You like uh, yeah, people, yeah. A, a good a good butt is a wagon that you be dragging around with pride. Oh my god, I do not remember the last time I heard someone use the term wagon, but I to refer to an ass. Oh, I always I, love, I love saying. It. I always love like telling people when it makes them feel comfortable. Like, oh man, I love that wagon you're dragging. <laughs> Well, we'll put Alexis Dennis off on that list. <laughs> In all fairness, I haven't really noticed his butt, but I mean, I'm pretty sure you have, so... Yes. Yeah. That's nice. I mean, it's sometimes a little difficult because he wears... He wears like, a lot of coats. ...outrageously baggy clothing. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. I think later on he gets a little more comfortable in his body, a little more aware of his hotness. Yep. Um... But uh, um, Wesley does say that it has to be me. Um, Angel's like, no, I'm not going to let you do it. She's like, all right, fine, you do it. Throws a cross to Angel, and Angel like, catches it and immediately burns his hand. So, yeah, good job, Wesley. <laughs> I'm loving everyone in this scene like using crosses to make their point to Angel. <laughs> hey, win in Rome, win in a church with a vampire... Throw a cross at him. <laughs> also, you know, oh, we—I believe we made comments earlier on in this season, in like that—that that first season four episode of Buffy, that it doesn't seem like the crosses do have as much of an effect as many of the other implements for warding off vampires. So I like the fact that the crosses kind of made a comeback in this one. Yeah, yeah, good for it, especially against Angel, since he's kind of the poster child for just taught like taking a cross and crossing it aside and crossing aside throwing it aside <laughs> blah, 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 blah. Oh, a little too much jameson in this coffee <laughs> but um when they get back uh cordelia catches angel and wes up on everything that happened while they'd been gone uh the uh ryan in with the demon's voice was using uh excuse me 
the demon with Ryan's voice was using Ryan's voice to basically get the mom to try to come closer, break the circle. And yeah, this is, I mean, I think that there is a little bit of magical influence in here, but I think that it's mostly a mom wanting to comfort her son. You know, that's really, uh, what you said about it being the demon. I actually had a different read on what was going on. Um, that based on the twists later in the episode, I was kind of thinking that some of this was actually, um, cause basically what we learn later is that the demon was pretty much, um, inert, um, except for when Ryan slept and that the powder actually allowed the demon to manifest, but I kind of got the impression that it was actually Ryan who was like kind of using the demon to do all this. Okay, I just I just kind of assumed that since he said like oh the only like he was a he was awakened by that by that brownie, um, mm-hmm. and uh, that was what got him up. And I figured that like the demon was kind of like the big thing throughout this whole part of the episode. Yeah, I. The one the reason I kind of was I'm thinking it's like Ryan who get, is gaining access is because mostly because the demon seems to be resisting the exorcism, which doesn't make as much sense once we learn that the demon is essentially trapped in this kid. Um, you would think that he'd be like, "Yeah, fucking exorcise me." Yeah. Um, so so that's here. kind of <laughs> um, which he does. Like at one point, he uses the marbles to. Uh, to to like spell out save me and they think it's they think it's ryan but it's actually the demon um so it was kind of i at least i just assumed and the episode's not super clear on it so i think i mean i don't know that one read or the other is necessarily right but i just thought it was like ryan like getting the powers of the demon once the demon manifested and being like oh shit this this shit's cool i can do so much more damage i actually do enjoy that read uh we'll, we'll stick with that one um yes i win <laughs> podcast over <laughs> i'm i can't see me but i'm just miming smashing glasses on the ground right now like well <laughs> it's been fun you guys <laughs> thank you for joining us on booze and Bob. no no it's all been a long con to get someone to agree with me <laughs> <laughs> yeah a very long one um so Cordelia is able to find out that, um, oh, pardon me. I just skipped a very important part. When Angel and Wesley are trying to make their way down into the, um, into the apartment, uh, they, uh, Wesley has been reading the, uh, ritual, finds out the exorcism ritual, finds out that it's in Latin. So that's good. Uh, because it seems that he knows Latin over, you know, some random demonic language. And, uh, but he also realizes that the reason that Father Fredericks died is because when an Aetheros demon is ejected from its host, it then goes to the nearest warm body. Uh, so that's, uh, so basically they're in trouble. Uh, but I do really like when Cordelia, like, learns this. She says to Angel, like, well, at least you're safe. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> they they arrive just in time to see to see the uh 
to see um, the mom, Paige, being lured into the circle. And, uh, of course, she eventually, like, goes in. And uh, this leads to uh, Ryan choking her. Uh, fortunately, Wes and Angel are able to get down there. I don't know why, in a hurry, they took the elevator and didn't just go down the stairs to begin with. I mean... Yeah. Yeah, that, that's, that seemed a little weird. Uh, but Wes is able to keep the demon at bay um, w- with a few chants, so it kind of like the beginning of the ritual, priming the ritual, maybe. Um, and so they're able to get Paige out of there, and uh, she and Seth are sitting on a sofa. Angel goes to check on Cordelia. She's been doing some research and finds out that there's a thing called an Ethros box. And this is a box that is able to contain an Aetheris spirit. Uh, unfortunately, you can't build one yourself. It is made from 600 kinds of virgin woods and crafted by blind Tibetan monks. So, yeah. I wonder. I love. If only Etsy existed now. <laughs> I love an overly specific um, magical item. Like, you know, this this is not the first time that Buffy or Angel has utilized this kind of joke. And Buffy and Angel did not create this, like, <laughs> type of joke. Um, it's a pretty stock, like, trope in fantasy, um, the fantasy genre. But I love it. Uh, <laughs> every time. So, um, he says that, uh, alright, go to, uh... Go to this place downtown, and uh, she's like, "Oh, are there Tibet? Are there blind Tibetan monks there?" He's like, "No, it's a uh, Rick's magic and stuff." Yes, <laughs> shop called Rick's magic and stuff. If anybody has it, Rick will. And this was, I like that this scene led into a moment of levity, uh, because when Cordelia goes to the store. Uh, she doesn't have time for any of Rick's crap. She just, uh, needs to get this Ethros box. And, uh, he doesn't have an Ethros box, but he does have a Shore Shack box. <laughs> Which, I feel like the writers were basically tired of making up words. <laughs> so. Listen, it's hard. No, I mean, it does. I, that actually kind on... of, that keeps me a little... <laughs> away from trying to write in fantasy at all because i feel like you need to make up your own kind of language even if you're Mm -hmm. just trying to find a couple of proper nouns or something like that and yeah i feel like eventually i'd probably settle on something like shore shack box i wrote recently um a a pilot a fantasy pilot that um, i've told jason about but for listeners to give you a little uh little tease it is set in the buffy verse um and i as i was like had to uh, name some demon characters i was like fuck this sucks like what do i call this thing and i think I, one of them ended up i named it like dredge or something and i was like that's good enough for now i'll, <laughs> like, I'll come back to that i am actually fans of demons and monsters that are named uh they're named after just random words, like actual words, like mm. um, the silence from Doctor Who, uh, and um, 
Yeah, that's kind of like the what I've got right now. The Gentleman from Buffy. Oh, uh, yeah. yeah. I was like, I was like, there's got to be like another like good example because um, I know exactly there, no, what you um, mean, but I was coming up And I'm up trying like, to think like in yeah. Aquaman, it was um, not the Reef. Maybe it was uh, the, the Reef. L- no. Um, oh, God. Uh, well, the Reef was the location, wasn't it? Possibly. And then Julie Andrews was like the Leviathan or whatever. Yeah, but that's not what I'm thinking of. I'm thinking of like the. Uh, uh, I'm thinking of like the. Um, it's also, some... just remember, Julie Andrews voices a giant the monster, trench. In Aquaman. Yes. The trench. Yeah. Yes. And uh, yeah, um, yeah, Aquaman is quite the movie. <laughs> but uh, anyway, we were back to the Shawshank box. Which, yeah. the only difference it, between that and the Ethros box is that it's $20 cheaper, I think. It never... He said, like, what's the difference? He said $20... It, well, it was made, made by mute Chinese nuns yeah. instead of blind Tibetan monks. Um, and yeah, it's 20 bucks cheaper. Also, it's um, in, also, it is technically intended for another type of demon. Uh, so, the Ethros is a little larger, so maybe a little too... Uh, Maybe a little too small for the Ethros' liking, but who cares what the Ethros likes? So this scene, yes, as you mentioned, a bit of lightness. Like, I love Cordelia's just, like, to the point. We got to get this done. It gave me vibes of um, Jenny Calendar going to the magic box to... Um, Get the, to orb buy of the orb of Thessala. And the guy, when she walks in, he's like, he's got his like over the top, uh, like mystical voice and like, oh. And then she's like, I need an orb of Thessala. And he's like, oh, you're in the trade. All right. <laughs> I gotcha. <laughs> I mean, he's like, sorry about that. It's for but, the tourists. I mean, that seems to be an air that you have to put on because yeah. you, you gotta, you, people don't just come into a magic shop. I, like there aren't that many spellcasters out there. I know they all seem to find their way onto Buffy, but if you think <laughs> about the California population as a whole, there's probably not a lot of people going into there thinking like, "Oh, I need to perform like the I need to perform a soul re a reinsolment ritual." Uh, so most you got- of your business is going to be coming from people who are looking for like kind of cool gimmicky things. Yeah, souvenirs and tchotchkes. Yeah. I always enjoyed um, that word. Tchotchkes. Tchotchkes is a good word. Yeah. Um, so while all this is happening, Wesley starts the exorcism. And uh, it looks like he's actually doing okay. Until um, the Ethros demon slash Ryan starts saying, Oh, you're not going to impress him. Who is he talking about? Is he talking about Angel? Is he talking about his dad? Probably his dad, because Wesley's got some daddy issues. <laughs> Basically points out, like, all of his weaknesses, and uh, and he says that, and he says, like, oh, why would anybody put their faith in you? And that's when Angel comes into the room and says, like, I invited him to. Uh, I invite him to do this. And this is when Ryan says, oh, well, you know that uh, you're actually planning on... Does he know that you're actually planning on killing him? That uh, you're more afraid of him than you are of me. So this doesn't phase Angel. It kind of phases Wesley a little bit. And uh, Wesley just decides to immediately just 
throw that cross right in his face. How many crosses am I holding up? <laughs> Great line. Great line. Uh, but unfortunately, he also steps into and breaks the circle. This allows Ryan to immediately just force Wesley to stab himself in the neck with this giant Ooh. cross. Whew. Oh. That is that is rough. Yeah, probably one of the more violent things we've seen on on the show. Yeah, um, up to this point. Um, um, this is something I really love about this episode, but also just about um, possession stories in general. Um, I I I love that one of the things I find the most frightening about like these types of stories is not necessarily the possession itself, but um, which is frightening. Like I find the idea of being trapped in your own body with, while something else is controlling it, very frightening, but also just the ease in which um, the demon is able to manipulate the people around and closest to the the person being possessed. Um, And we see him do it with Paige. We see him do it here with Wesley. Um, and it's it's never played as like a weakness on either of their characters that they're like so susceptible. It's just that this demon is well, this child um, is so very very manipulative and good at it. Yeah. Um, fortunately, they are able to uh, get get Wesley bandaged up. I guess it wasn't that deep. Um. Yeah, it, it, I think it looked a lot worse than it actually was. Uh, but um, when Cordelia comes back, uh, the room starts to rumble, and uh, there had been uh, there were marbles on top of the uh, on top of the table. Not sure why there were marbles out, but. I think they're Ryan's. I think they, like, brought some of, like, Ryan's toys. Okay. Because it's not just marbles. Actually, oh, a helpful picture on the wiki. Um, there yeah. are a couple, like, yeah, little action right. figures, too. So I think I think they... Um, oh, and, like, a rubber spider and some jacks. Yeah, because, you know, this kid is from the 1950s. <laughs> <laughs> Excuse me? Are you okay? Yeah, I just wasn't... sometimes i i assumed that they were ryan's and that you know how like you would bring like if a kid's in the hospital for like surgery or something you bring a couple of their toys to make them more comfortable and that's what i assumed it was yeah everybody just seems like oh god it's it's ryan ryan is actually set up and starts to taunt angel using doyle's voice mm-hmm. and so we technically have an uncredited cameo from Doyle, Glenn Quinn. Unfortunately, this is really just kind of a, um, one of the last lines that Doyle said to Angel, like the good fight, right? Yeah. I wasn't sure if this was, and I couldn't find any information on it. If this was Glenn Quinn, like coming in to record the line or, um, or if they just used archived. I always assumed it was stock audio. I think so too. Yeah. Or like what they had their previous audio. Mm -hmm. Um, otherwise I feel like they could have maybe used something different. Yeah. Like something that we hadn't heard before if they're going to bring Glenn Quinn in for it. But, uh, yeah, it's, um, and that just pisses Angel off. Oh, yeah. Uh, 
But yeah, and so now this is badass. Mm-hmm. He wraps, he, he grabs a piece of cloth, rips it, wraps it around his hand so that he can grab the cross and does the and does the ritual himself. And it is, yeah, while the cross is burning his hand. Mm-hmm. Oh God, it's so awesome. Uh, There's also something it is. so cool about the idea of a vampire successfully performing an exorcism right because you are i mean the point of an exorcism is that you are literally invoking the the heavenly the celestial the you know god the power of christ um all of the things that are the antithesis of a vampire uh, even one like angel with a soul um so yeah it's it's so cool that he just fucking does this and then when he like like has the cross on his fucking chest and he's just like get the hell out i was like fuck yes yeah very much uh punch in the air Mm -hmm. at that at that moment yeah um the demon is expelled uh but (laughs) that shore shack box didn't do any good whatsoever i mean it just busted apart i guess it does successfully like prevent any of them from being killed by it but yeah, yeah otherwise it does, it does catch the demon for just an instant but then it is out of there <laughs> yeah. um they're able to confirm this by seeing the um uh what? the plasticine yeah yeah uh but the andersons are relieved because ryan looks to be okay um so they send the andersons home and uh they decide they and Wesley and Angel figure out that um, the ether demon used up a lot of a lot of energy trying to get out of that trying to get out of both the boy and the box. So um, they think, oh, it's gonna try to recharge some energy from a primordial basalt salt cave. Um, ugh, that's a I love they, where they say it, and Gordy's like, what? And he's like, CKs. And she's like, well, why didn't you just say that? <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> um, so they're able to uh, they're able to go into uh, some caves and they find the Aetheros demon. And um, the Aetheros demon says that he wanted one last innocent soul to corrupt. And uh, Wesley says, well, you didn't get that boy's soul. And he's just like, huh, what soul? Oof. And... This is when it is revealed that, as we mentioned before, Ryan is kind of like this black hole, this abyss of nothingness. Mm -hmm. There's no soul. There's no happiness. There's no light. There's nothing. He is, he, his, the inside of him is the scariest hell for an Aethros demon. Yeah, the Aetheros demon was just trying to get out. And when it looked like he wasn't going to be able to get out, he convinced he he basically tried to take possession of Ryan during his sleep so he could kill himself by getting run over by a car. I'm getting, like, chills right now. <laughs> yeah, no, this is... What a twist! It's so good. Such a good twist. Um, and he has a line where he says something of, like... I can't remember exactly how he says it, but he's, like... He did these, like, evil things, not for the joy of evil, but, like, just because he wanted to. And yeah. it's like, fuck! It, how fucked is it that one of the scariest, like... Scariest 
things we've encountered on either show is this little boy. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah, totally chaotic, amoral, and soulless. Um, and yeah, so that's when Angel realizes that the save me message in the marbles was the demon's plea and mm-hmm. not the boy. Um, and uh, so now they realize they have to go they have to go save the Andersons, but not before Angel just kills the shit out of this thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Bye. Um, yeah. We did briefly skip over, um, and I just want to uh, address it real quick because it's a really good moment. While they're looking for the Ethros, um, Wesley and Angel have a discussion about um, the Ethros slash Ryan mentioning the uh, that. Wesley's planning on killing Angel. Um, and he, he basically has essentially a similar conversation that he had with Cordelia several, several episodes back that's basically just like, I know you don't want to kill me, but you are prepared to if you need need to, and that's good. I'm not upset. We're fine. Um, and I really like... I, I liked the fact that Angel made sure to be like, this is all cool. Don't worry about and, it. And I mean, he said... He said similar things to Cordelia. Yeah. Um, how he's he takes comfort in the fact that if anything does happen that causes Angelus to come out, that uh, Cordelia is going to be there ready to take him down. Yeah, which and yeah, mean, that's that's actually that's a requirement. Yeah, that's a prerequisite for working at Angel Investigations. Be ready to kill your boss should he turn evil. <laughs> you know what? I think that should be a prerequisite everywhere. <laughs> Be ready to kill your boss should they turn evil. Uh, that could get out of hand pretty fast. It really could. <laughs> um, and Buffy does not condone murder. <laughs> Indeed, we do not. All right. I think this next scene is the fucking scariest in the whole episode. Yeah, so basically what we've had is... Um, first, we have uh, Ryan having two fewer mini marshmallows in his hot cocoa than his sister's. And that's when, I think that was a nice little uh, thing for the audience to just kind of like, oh, hey, similar thing was happening at the beginning of this movie mm-hmm. or at the at the end of the, at the beginning of the episode. And you're like, oh boy. Yep. And, uh, but then the, uh, the mom swoops in with another one of her, oh, I think we'll have to tell the Nestle rabbit something's wrong then. <laughs> like, Oh, you're making light of this and it's not good. Yeah. <laughs> you think you're safe. You fool. But yeah, and uh, of course, since they do think they're safe, the kids' rooms aren't locked anymore. So this allows Ryan to uh, take some matches from Seth's nightstand. Um, now it says like, oh, he has a triangle toy block. I assume that it was just a doorstop. Yeah, that's but what I basically. Too. Yeah, basically something to stop their door from opening. Takes the phone off the hook, and then grabs a can of gasoline and just uh, starts pouring it all over Stephanie's room because, god damn it, you cannot have more marshmallows than me. The... You're gonna fry, bitch. <laughs> oh my god, the how methodical he is about it. The the block under the door. The phone off the hook. It's yeah. There's so, no emotion. Yeah, his, his face is blank. 
And yeah, he's just ready to uh he's just ready to burn yeah. this burn this girl's room. And I like the extra attention that was paid. Like he put a little more gasoline on the drawing that uh Stephanie was making at the beginning of the episode mm-hmm. just for emphasis to like, yeah, I'm petty like that. Yeah. Ugh. Um but yeah, and uh so he sets fire to the room and uh Seth and uh Seth and uh and Paige blanked on her name for a second. <laughs> Seth and Paige are able to get out because Angel because Angel has crashed through the window to get Stephanie and uh Wesley is coming through the door to let the parents out and grab Ryan. Fire department is called, fire's put out, and uh now we finally get Kate showing up. Um so social services is going to take custody of Ryan. Um they his parents won't be able to see him in the until the morning. And uh, they really don't know what's going to be happening mm-hmm. afterwards. Uh, Angel says, oh, thanks for coming by, Kate. And uh, she just kind of nods and then goes away. So I like that I like that no matter what beef Kate has with Angel, she's still doing her job. Yeah. So that's, that's good. Obviously, we're going to get more about the Kate-Angel relationship going forward. Right now, they're just kind of like, oh, hey. Just so you know, this is still happening, too. Um, but, it should uh, be noted, too, earlier in the episode, Seth told Angel that um, when they lived in Ohio, a friend of theirs died, I believe also in a fire, um, that he was pretty sure Ryan set. Um, and they're not going to... Basically, with this, like, they're not... He's not going to be able to... to hide these things anymore it's all gonna come out and seth is trying to say that he did all this he did he hid it all because he had he wanted to keep his family together mm-hmm. angel says you did um just trying to be like hey your wife and daughter are still there um and uh that's when um angel walks to the car and with uh Cordy and wesley and uh that's the end of the episode. What a bleak so, ending. It's, it, it, it is bleak. It is a downer. Um, I think it's an episode like this that uh, Angel gets the reputation for being darker than Buffy. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't think... Well, there, uh, well, I do think that there are, especially in the first couple seasons, uh, some, some darker elements than your typical Buffy episode. I think people who say that like kind of forget about the humor that mm-hmm. is an angel, especially the more people are added to the cast. Yeah. And uh, and I think they also forget how dark Buffy sometimes gets. That's true. Like, uh, yeah. But yeah, this is this is a very dark episode of Angel just in general and, and you know, throwing Buffy in there as well. This is mm-hmm. one of the darker episodes that we've seen. And, you know, we still don't really know what Ryan's deal is. Like, is... Is he some otherworldly creature, or is he just a just a very troubled kid, like yeah, I so think, troubled? I think the yeah, latter, so, personally. Yeah, and that's that's freaky. Mm-hmm. That it scares a demon. Yeah, <laughs> that line. That's that. Like the fact that the demon is like like that boy's 
like what I can't remember what he said, but like his black insides or whatever was the scariest hell I've ever known. Just oof. Yeah. <sighs> God the, damn. That boy's mind was the blackest hell I've ever yes, known. Yes. God oh, damn. Oh boy. And it's just like, what can you do? Like what it, I, you know, yes, he has, you, you know, the, the sentiment that angel espouses is correct. You know, this guy has, he, Seth does still have his wife and daughter, but I mean, this family is still broken. I mean, they're, yeah, yeah it's so sad. So I also, um, I was kind of like looking through uh, the Buffy wiki and I saw some of the international titles and I actually kind of want to point out one that I really enjoy. Um, the German title, I, I speak a little German myself and, uh, the German title is Das Böse an sich. And that translates to evil itself, mm, which, like hey, maybe that's like a little hint of what is going on with Ryan. I like how unoriginal, though, the French title is. It's just exorcism. Yeah, exorcisme. <laughs> um, yeah. Ooh. Hey, you know what you're getting when you walk in. Yeah. <laughs> or you know a little bit of what you're getting. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that is, um, that is I've got you under my skin. And... Like there, this is an episode that'll probably stick with you for a while. Mm-hmm. I um, I I honestly have forgotten how uh how powerful this episode was because I haven't seen it in a really long time. But yeah, um, Harrison, you were right to point out this is one of the stronger episodes of Angel that we've had so far, mm-hmm. especially following the <laughs> double the double whammy of uh expecting and she. Yep. <laughs> yikes yeah uh but no i really enjoyed this episode um great use of horror elements like it really did kind of feel like it was channeling those classic horror movies Mm -hmm. um and i even say that not being the biggest fan of the exorcist um but uh i think that this movie this episode was able to hone in on the few things that that movie did do right Mm -hmm. um so i'm gonna give it four out of five marshmallows in Mahakoko. nice yeah i love this episode very very much um i think it's dark it's bleak um it's that twist is so good but it the episode isn't hinging on the twist everything else is good too um the twist is just gravy and yeah it's very unsettling gravy that you get like at the end you're like oh i thought it was, i thought we were done yeah. oh um more gravy more gravy and yeah and it's just um i this family unit is really well developed like i feel so strongly for them i feel i feel the fear that they feel um and the heartbreak at the end that they that they have to go through um and um yeah the horror movie elements are all great um and I, like you know even like little shout outs to like uh the the last house on the left um uh sister badass who uh we, we need more we, of her we, we deserved more sister badass yeah I, um, feel, I feel like i've got some fanfic coming on here <laughs> <laughs> it better be horny is all i'm saying um yeah, I love this episode. If I I've never like I have a like a top ten favorite Buffy episodes, but I I've never really done the same for Angel. But I bet if I did, 
I have a feeling this episode would end up on that list. Um, nice. This is a full ass five out of five. All uh, right, good for you. Yeah, uh, salt caves for me. Um, there you go. I I love this episode, and I love it every more every single time I watch it. Um, cool. And it's and I think it's one of those episodes that really. You know, in the fir- we're in the first season. Um, in case anyone wasn't sure, um, and we're about halfway through the first season, and this is one of those episodes that I think really does um, kind of solidify what Angel can do and how it can do it differently than Buffy. Because I don't, I don't really see this episode on Buffy. Um, it feels very specifically Angel. Yeah, I think the um, the small angel cast that we have right now, spoiler alert, the cast does eventually get bigger. But the small cast that we have now works with this intimate setting of a story. Yes. Because it really is kind of, um, if you take like all the trappings away, unfortunately if you take Sister Badass away, um, it really is just angel investigations and this family of four. Yeah. And if we had a larger team like the Scoobies, the uh, honestly you'd lose the family dynamic because yeah you'd be you'd be too busy trying to find stuff for everyone to do yeah yeah and and you know some episodes we've had felt like they could have been you know just a buffy episode but they just wrote it over here and like yet this one feels like angel and and it could only be an angel episode and i love that so everything is good i mean not not for the people involved in this episode. It's uh, it's all pretty bleak for them. But uh, I'm happy. So yeah, that's that's all I've got. Um, anything else from, from you, Jason? Nope. All right. Well, listeners, thank you, as always, for joining us on Booze and Buffy. We'll be back next week with Buffy Season 4, Episode 15, This Year's Girl. Just telling you guys, it's going to be a special episode. We're going to have a good uh, well, time. But I, but I won't tell you why it's a special episode. There's there so many be, reasons. There may be multiple reasons. Who knows? Who, knows? Um, Who can say? But yeah, we can say, but we keep, won't. <laughs> keep listening. Um, I'm Jason. You can find me on Instagram at yamij357 and on Twitter at just plain old yamij. And if you like cooking, you can watch my new... A, a Billie Eilish inspired Asian cooking show that I have on YouTube. All you have to do is search for I Can Be the Pad Thai. I don't get that one because I don't know Billie Eilish very well. That, that bad guy is one of her single, big singles. Ah, thank you. I actually do know that one, so I should have gotten it. <laughs> Never mind. I'm Harrison. You can find me on Instagram at Harrison Alexander Kaufman and on Twitter at Harrison Kaufman. That's spelled C-O-F-F-M-A-N. Uh, give me a shout. I'm very funny. Um, or at least I think I'm very funny, so I have a lot of confidence about it. Um, you uh, can also check out my blog, horrorbyharrison.blogspot.com, where I review a different horror movie every week, um, except for last week when I took a break. But this week, I am putting out a review of the 2004 remake of Dawn of the Dead. (laughs) You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Booze and Buffy, or you can email us at boozeandbuffy at gmail.com. 
The and is spelled out in all of those cases. And don't forget to subscribe uh, to our lovely podcast and rate us and review us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Um, ratings and reviews especially are very important because they help us find more listeners. And each week we like to give a shout out to a worthy charity or nonprofit. This week we're highlighting For the Children. For the Children is building a world free of family-induced childhood trauma. For the Children is promoting physical, emotional, and spiritual healing for children vic- for child victims of neglect, abuse, and abandonment through intervention programs, education, and advocacy. Visit www.forthechildren.org for more information. And as always, go slay. And be gay. Goodbye. Bye.